Well, in true teacher fashion, I had to, you know, make a PowerPoint and have lots of visual aids and um, all of those things. And hopefully there'll be some laughing through it because as I was writing it, I was super emotional. Um, What do you say to seniors that are graduating or have graduated, but not only the seniors have graduated, but also a church that in a way is graduating? I bet you probably didn't even think about it, that we're in a, in a time of limbo in our lives as well. And so I have some things to make sure that are shared to you guys as well. So, well, making it through 12 years of school involves facing some challenges with resolve, right? And as we can all testify here at Coast, making it through life will include continuous encounters with challenges that we must meet. Just think, graduates, you've actually been successful. I mean, you've graduated, right? Let's just take a stroll down memory lane and see what you've graduated from. First, you've graduated from the womb and successfully adjusted to birth. Right? Secondly, you've graduated from preschool and successfully began that first day of kindergarten. Thirdly, you've graduated from pre-adolescence and successfully navigated through the teen years. I still haven't forgiven my sisters for making me wear this outfit. It was a surprise picture to my parents for an anniversary, and it made me go country western. And I don't know what's going on with my hair in that situation, but let's just move on. And finally, you've graduated from high school and must travel the road of adulthood. That's my senior year. You can see I've changed a lot, right? (laughs) I was going to submit pictures from each of your parents, but I didn't want to embarrass you that much. So maybe I'll get them for our end of the year slideshow to have as well. But what about graduation from college and grad school, career, marriage, kids? Wait a second, slow down. You see, you've only just begun. So just how are you going to do all that? How are you going to travel the road of adulthood? Well, let's look at some directions from the greatest roadmap ever, God's Word, to help us guide through the journey ahead. And friends of Coast Bible Church, we also can glean perspective in our lives to help us stay on the right path and the road that God has called us to travel. We too, in a way, are graduating. We're encountering change. We're embarking on a new journey as well. And so my prayer to you as well is to be encouraged and strengthened by today's message. And as Pastor Thomas said, Nothing has changed, but everything is different. This means it's time to adjust to the change, but not change who we are. Friends, we need to use the biblical tools to help us stay on the right course in our new adventures ahead. Would you join me in prayer? God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for just the blessing of allowing me to speak uh, boldly and encourage both young minds, but also um, many who have... um, followed you for many of their years, God. I pray that uh, this message would reach um, all ages and would encourage and uplift um, all of us in a scary time where we're not sure what's next. Um, God, Lord, I pray pray that the Holy Spirit would overflow in me today, and uh, my words would be your words. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if you have your note sheets, uh, you can take them out. Yes, my note sheets are a little bit longer than Pastor Tom's. Um, I'm a little bit more thorough. Um, in the things that I do. And I like to, like, um, I just like to give you lots of information. So, um, but anyway, the very first blank says, 
There are three major directions that we need to follow if we want to avoid roadblocks or detours to reach our destination. One of the greatest hazards to success is fear, right? And we've all, we've all dealt with it. In his book, The Applause of Heaven, one of my favorite authors, Max Lucado, says, fear doesn't want you to make the journey to the mountain. If he can rattle you enough, fear will persuade you to take your eyes off the peaks and settle for a dull existence in the flatlands. According to Gallup poll research, many of you are probably familiar with that, fear of failure or not succeeding in life is among the most common fears of not only teens today, but people in general. But here's what teen-specific responses were in this vein. Number one, if you go to the next slide, it'll have, uh, it should say, one more. Making mistakes that will mess up my life. These are just quotations from, from kids. Not being successful, not measuring up, not getting into a good college, and afraid of failing in life in general, not achieving my goals that I've set for myself. I'm here to tell you that I dealt with all the same things. I remember asking my dad over and over, dad, how am I going to get married and like support a family and like still have money and all of these things and go to college and, and get good grades and get a job. And as we can all attest, the Lord works in mysterious ways. Amen. God is faithful, but also on the list of common teen fears are, are being alone and just general fear of the future. And that's where I want to speak to our church today as well. Fear of the future. We've got change. Listen to what teens say in their own words. The real world, like moving out, doing my own thing, and getting a job. You parents can probably resonate with that when you hear that from your kids. And this is my favorite one. Growing up because you have to pay bills and stuff. What just exactly is stuff, right? It's a lot more than paying bills. Graduates, you already know this because every October we focus on revisiting the topic of fears, don't we? Every October I go back to fears. We talk about how to identify them, how to deal with them, and how to conquer them. Well, and of course it gave me an opportunity to brag about my wife, Jen, who really knows how to face her fears. Am I telling you? Well, I was going to embarrass her today, but the DVD is not working. So I'm going to just have to explain to you that my wife has done the, un the unthinkable and has not only beat the odds of fear, but fear is no longer a factor for her because she has won the show Fear Factor in 2004. I mean, come on. Now, I didn't know her when she was on Fear Factor, uh, but I can tell you that I've watched the DVD at least 30 times. And every time I like to watch the clip that I was going to show you today, Joe Rogan, who's the sports or the, the, the host says, okay, Jen, it's yours for the taking. $25,000 if you can just complete this stunt. And then it pans over to Jen and says, are you ready? And she says, oh, I'm ready. And she kind of does a little dance like this as she's getting ready to get in this water chamber cylinder. And then you see here as the water starts to fill up at the top. Now keep in mind, the other five women, it was an all girls episode, didn't complete the stunt. So Jen Tiersma at the time was the only one left to face her fears, to face her fears, right? And if you remember, Jen, you told me 
You told me this, that when you tried out for Fear Factor, you had to write down some of your biggest fears. And it just so happened to be that number one was being trapped underwater, which is basically the fear of drowning. And uh, of course, snakes, because uh, I'm sure we all want to be in a glass cage of snakes, right? So back to that first event. So he says, in three, two, now keep in mind, I'm going to pause again. The water's filling up and I start to see a little bit of mouth. Her, her words. And I can tell you right now that my wife in that moment was praying to God. And she was saying, Lord, get me through this. Get me through this. No one else has done this, but I know that I can do this. And then it went one. She swam to the bottom. It was about 10 feet down in this water chamber. Mind you, it was about 45 degrees water. Is that about what it was? 45, 50, somewhere in the middle of the night. She's totally humble and modest and embarrassed right now, by the way. So if you would like the DVD, I can get you a copy of it, okay? Um, <laughs> Anyway, uh, so she swims at the bottom. She cranks one shaft. And instead of going back up to the top for air, like most of the other women had done, she decides to hold her breath, right? She goes to the other. She cranks the shaft. The, the bottom of it opens, and she swims at the top with her hands up in celebration. It's one of my most favorite moments about Jen because it's a, a time of celebration where she faced her fear. And she won $25,000. Not bad, right? And when she, uh, when she was um, done with the stunt, they said, let's go get, Joe Rogan says, let's go get the other five contestants so that you can go for the other $25,000 for the last two stunts. And of course, she gets put in a snake cage, beats her contestant, and then goes through a man-made tunnel of wind and rain, beats her contestant, and fear is no longer a factor for Jen. $50,000 right there. Crazy. But I share that because I can relate it to, to, to kids that are dealing with fears and it's cool and I can brag about my wife. But the real thing is, guys, is that um, uh, Ruth Center says it perfectly. Let's go to that one. Once you face the very thing you fear the most, it's no longer quite so fearful. I think we try to make things, uh, fears in our life more than we need to. And once we face them, we're like, that wasn't really that bad. I can deal with that through God's strength. Brothers and sisters, for us as Christians, facing our fear is simply just trusting. Simply trusting in the provision of God. Psalms 34, 4 says, I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. When I was thinking of some words to share with not only my graduates, but also the graduates here at Coast Bible Church going through a time of uncertainty and, 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 and some new changes, I decided to peruse the old social media of Facebook to find my president, John Wallace of APU, asking the same question. He said, and I quote, what is one piece of wisdom you would give an 18-year-old Christ follower heading into the post-high school world? I believe that these three pieces of advice are just as crucial for Coast Bible Church to listen to, to take heart as well, since we too, in a way, are graduating are in a time of uncertainty and change. There were many that resonated with me, but I chose three to share in the idea of facing your fears. Number one, and there's going to be a, just leave it right there, Marilyn but we're, we're going to summarize them in a minute. Number one, this world will undoubtedly tell you that you are not enough. This world will show you every which way to change who you are in order to become enough. Attempting to please this world is a deceiving pursuit, my friends. Don't fall for it. Make the choice to pursue continuously the one whose sacrifice has made you enough, the pursuit of Christ. Friends, you are enough. I want to encourage all of us 
And number two, I think about Coast Bible being a community, uh, a group of friends, a group of family. Number two, that kept resonating over and over. There's probably about 288 posts. And I kind of took a theme of the three that I thought were the most important. Choose your friends wisely. You become who you hang out with. Are they drawing you closer to Jesus? Or are they drawing you further away? The people you surround yourself with will have one of the largest, most impacts on your life. I think we can all shake our heads, those that have been through that. We think of the friends that we have around us and we say to ourselves, huh, we can attest to that. Coast Bible has done an incredible job of bringing people closer and creating a family environment here. Amen? Amen. And number three, as you go out into the world, don't let fear paralyze you. When you plant your identity and your foundation in Christ, you can overcome all fear and change the world with Christ's love. Okay, maybe just one more. One kid about three posts in said this. Go ahead and switch it. Let's summarize first. So summary of the advice. You're good enough. Choose your friends wisely and don't let fear paralyze you. And of course, number four, my friends. You think you're tired now? Life doesn't end after high school. It's just beginning. You've only just begun, my friends. As you can see from these pieces of advice, there are many things in such a world as ours which can bring fear into human hearts. Fear of want, fear of rejection, and multitudes of others. Some fear is rational, some are foolish, but are all very serious to those who experience them. For my first piece of passage, I want to turn to uh, 2 Timothy 1.7. This is a, one of my favorite Bible verses in the chapter of 2 Timothy, and it says this, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-discipline. What can we take away from this passage? Number one, God has given us the necessary resources to face, no, not just face, but stare down any fear that might come before us. And number two, God, and this one's more important than ever, Coast Bible Church as well. God has replaced the spirit of fear with the power of his presence, Amen. The minute that we start to get a little bit trepid, a little bit fearful, the Holy Spirit shows up, doesn't he? We start to see God in numbers through the people around us, through the things around us. And it's encouraging to know that the power of God's presence is real and active and living in our life. When we trust Jesus as our Savior, the Holy Spirit of God takes up residence in our life and it provides continuous comfort that we need so that we can eliminate our fears. Now, all our fears aren't going to go away. But with Christ's help and strength, we can start to work on eliminating some of them. Let me elaborate a little bit. While we don't want to act foolishly, we can be assured that the power of God's presence surrounds our lives. There'll be fear that we will encounter in our travels through this world, but we can face them with God's power. Last week, we sang a song, Same Power, by Jeremy Camp. Um, and I just wanted you to see these words for a second. See if these words can resonate with you about God's power. And then maybe you can also see the promise of God's power in the chorus. I bet all of us can relate to these words. I can walk down this dark and painful road. I can face every fear of the unknown and I can hear all God's children singing out because we are not overtaken and we will not be overcome. The chorus, the promise of Christ says, the same power that rose Jesus from the grave and the same power that commands the dead to wake, it lives in us. It lives in you guys and it lives in all of you as well. The same power lives in all of us for us to 
Uh, his, his perfect power and his perfect love is casting out fears, the Bible says. The same power that moves mountains when he speaks and the same power that can calm a raging sea, it lives in us. Friends, we have the same power living in us. All we have to do is just activate it and know that the Holy Spirit is working within us. I had to put a little worship lyric in there because I am the worship leader at church here and I'm a huge fan of that song and I think it's a song that we need to be encouraged by here at Ghost Bible Church. Okay, so a little Bible trivia for you all. You ready? Audience participation. You have to raise your hand though because I am a school teacher, okay? What is the one command that is repeated by Jesus the most times in the Bible? The one command that is repeated the most times in the Bible Love one another? It's a good guess. Any others? Fear not. Which one do you think it is? Do you think it's Colleen's love one another? Or do you think it's Colleen's fear not? Both of them are Colleen. Fear not? Fear not? I mean, love's pretty important, don't you think? Friends, it's not loving our neighbors. It's not loving our enemies. It's not being kind. It's not showing compassion. Although all of those are good and well, It is do not fear. Supposedly, I did this. If you type in the Bible search with words such as fear not, or do not fear, or don't be afraid, any ideas how many times it comes up? A lot? 365 implications or verses on do not be afraid. Do the math, friends. That's one verse for every day of the year to remind us, do not be afraid. God will be with you. That's pretty cool, huh? Pretty encouraging. I think we need that. Maybe they need to come out with a devotional just on verses on do not fear for many of us that struggle with that in our lives. Friends, fear is a big deal. It's a driving force in our world today. But with God in control, we can face our fears. As 2 Timothy 1.7 implies, he gives us the power the love and the self-discipline to reject fear and move ahead. So number one is to face our fears. But you know what? Just as solely important is forgetting our failures, forgetting your failures. This is one of my favorite passages in the Bible we're going to talk about here in a minute. If our fears don't keep us from navigating life, then then an inappropriate response to our failures may. It's inevitable we are definitely going to fail, right? We fail our friends, our parents, our employers, Um, my wallet fails me, uh, my kids fail me, right? Um, it just, it just is, but none of us are perfect. And the only ones who never do anything wrong are the ones what? Who never do anything. Let me say that again. The ones who never do anything wrong are the ones who never do anything. They don't want to take a, they don't want to take a risk. One of my teachers, uh, growing up at abiding savior school, um, shared something similar. And then a, a grad teacher actually echoed a similar idea of fear, but also failure. He said, fail well. Don't fear mistakes. Just learn the lessons they're trying to teach you. Really? Fail well? Nobody wants to fail. But hey, let me talk to you about a few people, prominent men that maybe failed well. A little bit of trivia. I see the Gibsons are here. You're not allowed to yell this one out, okay? I know you know this. I know a lot of you probably know it, but who said, 
I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games, and on 26 occasions, I've been entrusted to take the game-winning shot, and I missed. I've failed over and over and over again in my life, and that is why I succeed. Do any of you know? Do any of you guys know? That's one of my students in my class. Did you raise your hand? Okay. Michael Jordan, show the picture. Dude, Air Jordan, the greatest of all time, right? For all my athletes, it might come as a shock, or maybe it's not surprising at all, but the man Air Jordan, who became what many could call the best basketball player of all time, he didn't even make his high school basketball team at first. What? Okay, for those of you that aren't athletes, I've got one more for you. You have to raise your hand. Who said, I have not failed, I've just found 10,000 ways that do not work? In the back. Yes, Thomas Edison, boom, right there. For all my scholars, Thomas Edison was both hearing impaired and fidgety. He only lasted three months in school where his teacher said he was too stupid to learn anything. He was eventually homeschooled by his mom. His invention of the light bulb is one of the most innovative breakthroughs in history, friends. And furthermore, one of our greatest presidents, 13th president, Abraham Lincoln notes, and I put his because he said our, but his great concern or my great concern is not whether you failed, but whether you're content with your failure. Are you content with your failure? You're going to fail, but are you going to pick yourself up and use that failure as a lesson? God's word is also notorious for choosing broken, shameful failures uh, and transforming their lives into destiny for the glory of God. Let's take a look at some of them briefly. Number one, Moses. Moses' anger caused him to never enter the promised land, yet he journeyed toward it for over 40 years. Number two, Job. Job lost everything humanly possible except his life. When it got down to the very nitty-gritty, his wife told him to curse God and die. His own wife. Yet what? God counted him more blessed than all men for his circumstances. What about David? King David is known as a man after God's own heart. Despite all of the things he did right, he had adultery and murder that were part of his repertoire. Failures. Peter failed on multiple occasions, failing to respond to Jesus' request for prayer and you guys remember, he denied Jesus three times after Jesus looked him in the face and said, you're going to deny me. He's like, no, Lord, I would never do that. So then Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. How would you like to be called that? Paul. Paul only became Paul, he was first Saul, after redemption from his days of tracking down and killing those who professed Christ. And finally, guys, as much as I hate to admit it, Jesus should also be on this because Jesus was the perfect sacrifice for every sin in the world, but he lived his life as a homeless, impoverished, rejected, and ridiculed individual for most of his life. But then successfully, he died on the cross for our sins and rose from the dead three days later, the perfect sacrifice. So we can relate. Some of these failures were a consequence of sin, while others faced er earthly failures, loss of status, finances, rejection, both are covered by the grace and forgiveness available through Jesus Christ. As I was talking to you earlier about Philippians 3, 13 through 14, 
It says, Paul puts it like this adamantly as he's addressing the church of Philippi. One of my favorite verses. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press on toward the goal to the prize of which God has called, called us heavenward in Christ Jesus. This has been my life verse since I was a freshman in college. It's reminded me to not focus on the past failures, but live in the present with an eternal future as my motivator. Friends, this life is temporary, but an eternal future in heaven is forever. It's eternal. Amen? So two things that I want to take away from this passage that I want you guys to write down. Paul refuses to allow failures to become destructive in his life. And number two, Paul refuses to allow failures to deter his journey to his goal. Moreover, we need to refuse to allow failures to become destructive in our life. And we, Coast Bible friends, graduates, need to, allow, need to refuse to allow failures to deter our journey to our goal. So I was, I was reading a, an excerpt from Erwin Lutzer. He's a pastor at Moody Memorial Church in Chicago in the inner city. And he has a book called Failure, The Back Door to Success, because I'm sure we all want to read books called Failure. Seems real encouraging and uplifting, right? And I just took this one little thing, and it just makes me think, and maybe it'll make you guys think today too. My kids always ask me at school, who's going to be in heaven? And I really can't give them an answer except that those who believe in Jesus Christ for eternal life. But this is what he shares pretty blatantly. Heaven will be filled with surprises. Many successful Christians will be nobodies, and some whose lives that were strewn with the wreckage of one failure after another will be great in his kingdom. Interesting. Failure. How we can live with our failure. Coast Litzer's excerpt makes us think. It's important to understand that our failures are usually due to making wrong choices. The solution for them is to let God direct us into the right choices. We all know Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Most of us, right? Does someone want to recite it? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your... And in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will what? Direct your path or make your path straight. I've heard this over and over, many kids' life verses. Perhaps, friends, with that Bible verse and with Philippians 3, 13 through 14, as we forget our failures, or maybe we need to just consider our failures as a teachable moment, as a source of advice that will refocus us on our goal. Maybe even just maybe we'll forget them altogether as we're supposed to be thinking that they're behind us and focusing on what lies ahead. And finally, Coast Bible Church and graduates, friends, the third and most important is following our faith. We need to follow our faith. This is our theme verse this year at Stony Brook Christian School. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, specifically uh, verse 2. The last and final direction that we need to take seriously is to follow our faith. I have a little movie so, um, a little movie story that I want to share with you as I close my time. On day six of the ill-fated mission of Apollo 13, the astronauts needed to make a critical course correction. If they failed, they might never return to Earth. To conserve power, they shut down the onboard computer that steered the craft. Yet the astronauts needed to conduct a 39-second burn of the engines. The main engines, that is. How were they going to steer it? Astronaut Jim Lovell and his crew determined if they could keep a fixed point, a reference point in space in view of their tiny window, 
tiny, tiny window that could steer the craft manually. What was that focal point? What were they looking at? What was that reference point? Earth. As shown in 1995's hit movie, Apollo 13, for 39 agonizing seconds, Lovell focused on keeping the earth in view. By not losing sight of the reference point, the three astronauts avoided disaster. But was that the end of the story? No. They had an even greater task to then re-enter the earth's atmosphere in a heat shield. Let's watch and see what happens. One minute and 30 seconds to end of blackout. No re-entering ship has ever taken longer than three minutes to emerge from blackout. This is the critical moment for the heat shield hold, for the command module survive the intense heat of re-entry. If it doesn't, there will only be silence. Mommy, you're squishing me. I'm sorry, sweetie. Okay, flight, that's three minutes. We are standing by for acquisition. Odyssey, Houston, do you read me? Odyssey, this is Houston, do you read? Expected time of reacquisition, the time when the astronauts were expected to come out of blackout, has come and gone. But all any of us can do now is just listen and hope. We're about to learn whether or not that heat shield, which was damaged, as you remember, by the explosion three days ago, has withstood the inferno of reentry. Odyssey, this is Houston. Do you read me? Odyssey, Houston, do you read me? Three minutes, 30 seconds, stand by. Odyssey, Houston, do you read me? Odyssey, this is Houston. Do you read me? That's four minutes, standing by. Odyssey, uh, Houston, do you read? I believe that that's kind of how God feels about us when we finally reached him. When we finally, when our faith has finally just made sense 
and we're not giving up. No reentry has ever taken longer than three minutes. Well, this is why this is one of the most famous missions ever, Apollo 13. Jim Lovell and his men show courage and faith in the midst of adversity. And although they never got to walk on the moon, they did successfully beat the odds with a determined faith that would get them home safely. That anticipation, that waiting. I can't only imagine as parents how many times we've built our faith around something and we're waiting and we're waiting and we're waiting. And finally, that applause that comes because of God doing the unthinkable, God doing the, the unimaginable, God doing the impossible, as Tom mentioned a couple of weeks ago. See, Scripture reminds us that to finish our life mission successfully, we have to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We, too, need to have a reference point in our lives, friends, Coast Bible. Fixing our eyes on the starter, the finisher, the alpha and the omega, Jesus Christ. See, faith is needed in the world today. Faith will lead us to do many things in life. For my last takeaway points from Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, I wanted to just share these takeaway points. Our faith will lead us to, one, be an example in the world today. In our world, our world desperately needs people to have giant-like faith and childlike faith in matters. Godly examples are desperately needed in our world today. Number two, our faith will lead us to carry on with our part in the race of life. Each of us receives a baton. Are you going to pass it on to the next runner? Number three, our faith will lead us to focus and order our lives after the Lord Jesus. Focus and order. Faith will give us focus and order. That focus will keep us going when the going gets rough. And our faith will lead us to a place of reward with God. Our rewards aren't here, friends. Our rewards are greater in heaven. Amen? We may not see the rewards. We may see a little bit, but the eternal rewards that are waiting for you, for those that, that have done what you're supposed to do, for those of you that are going to hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant, are far imaginable than anything here on this temporal life. And finally, our faith will lead us to courage in the battles of life. We need to be people that take risks. We need to be people that are courageous in everything we do. So last time I got to speak to the graduates four years ago, I shared the same story, and I hope I can just share this story. On July 4th, 1952, at the age of 34, Florence Chadwick. Any of you know who that is? She attempted to become the first woman to swim 21 miles across the Catalina Channel from Catalina Island to Palos Verde on the California coast. The weather that day was poor. The ocean was ice cold. The fog was thick. She could hardly see the support boats that followed her. And sharks prowled around her. In fact, several times her support crew in a boat used rifles to drive away the sharks. While Americans watched on television, she swam for hours and hours and hours. Her mother and her trainer, who were in one of the support boats, encouraged her to keep going. However, after 15 hours and 55 minutes of swimming in the water, she quit. She couldn't go on. And she said, I'm done. Take me out of the water. Later, she told a reporter this. Look, I'm not excusing myself, but if I could have seen land, I know I could have made it. Sorry, I got cut off there. The fog had made her unable to see her goal, and it had felt to her like she was getting nowhere. Friends, she was less than a half a mile from her destination. Half a mile. How many times have we given up when we're so close? This is a time 
This is the time. You see, Florence Chadwick was only half a mile away. She didn't have the reference point and focus. We at Coast Bible Church, we have the reference point. And it's not the earth, and it's not the land. It's Jesus Christ, amen? And that's what we plant our faith firmly on here. And that's what we've shared with you guys to plant your faith firmly on. On my bulletin board in my classroom, I'm reminded by these words taken from Pastor Rick Warren. In his purpose-driven life, these simple words every day greet me as I look at them. There are no shortcuts to maturity. This is a constant reminder to stay the course, friends, if we're going to grow up and mature, especially in our faith. Keep in mind that you're going to be running a clear path. And maybe without even a hint of obstacles, you won't even see them coming. But as you know, Satan is good at disguising himself and sin in our lives. Everything may be going well to that point that we feel immune right? To the temptations of this world, but without our eyes fixed on Jesus, the reference point, without our heart fully trusting him for every step, our marked out path, our directions, they're going to be deterred and interrupted before we even realize there's a problem in the first place. Our beloved friend and my mentor teacher, Marianne Fisher, used to quote the great Albert Einstein reminding me, what is right is not always popular and what? What is popular is not always right. Friends, it's no wonder that the banner is over my whiteboard in my class. For every student, past and present, for every teacher, every parent, to ingrain it into their hearts and minds. And we too here at Coast Bible Church need to take a lesson from this. Following our faith is not an easy task. But if we fix our eyes on Jesus, there's nothing that we can't do. So first graduates, I'm confident the Trek and Crew 24 youth group here at Coast Bible has played a huge part in the last four to seven years of your life. And from the biblical discussions and godly leaders and authentic worship and spiritual affirmation, you are all leaving with a better understanding of who God is. Am I right? And secondly, to Coast Bible Church. It's a new, exciting, yet scary phase of our church. People are leaving. People are coming. We have change in in, in some of our staff, there's just different things going on. But I'm reminding you that God is faithful. And as Thomas said over and over, everything has changed, but nothing is different here at Coast Bible Church. Amen? I pray that God will instill in us all the same power and unwavering faith so that together, whether we're just graduating from high school or we're just graduating into a new phase in our lives here at Coast Bible Church, we'll be able to face our fears, forget our failures, and follow our faith. Remember, friends, we've only just begun. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for a place we call home at Coast Bible Church, a place where people love each other unconditionally and, 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 and our community and, and family and center everything around you, God. I pray that people would see that. They would see the transparency of this place. God, I pray uh, that we'd be encouraged, Lord, by the words from Timothy and from Paul um, and Philippians, God, and also from Hebrews, Lord, that we would fix our eyes on you, God, that we would look at our failures as lessons, Lord, and learn from them, God, and that no matter what fear we have in our life, Lord, that we would fear not and know that you are with us, not to be afraid. Lord, as we close our time, God, it's my prayer that not only the, the, the graduates but here at Coast Bible Church, that you would give us more and more faith 
that we would just learn to just grow deeper and deeper. Take us deeper in our walk, Jesus. Give us a faith that's unshakable, unwavering, and allow us to continue to grow and to bless others as we do it. Thank you for this service. Thank you for this worship team that's coming up now, Lord. I pray that you bless our final song. Bless this congregation. Bless these graduates. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.